This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. At Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Manly Command Center inside the Melbourne Law Studio. Melvin Law, with 50 years of experience, the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators, Melvin Law, won't back down. We thank Jeffrey Melvin for supporting the Words God Files, and we are here to bring you election results. I will, of course, anytime necessary, use the beep word. Hopefully, I won't have to do that much because we're reporting on local elections, three of which occurred here in the western side of the county, if you will, which eventually could become Springs County. So the Archer election and the Newberry election and the city of Alachua election. So I reside in the city of Alachua. I think I'll begin by talking about some of the things that are of interest. I have put in a request to both the mayor and the campaign manager of the victorious candidate for the city of Alachua elections for a figure on the total number of eligible voters in the city of Alachua have not gotten a reply yet. Do have an instant reply from the city of Newberry. I'll cover that in a moment. Um, that's always kind of interesting that um, I'm a big believer in replies. So. If you contact me, I'll reply. The first thing I want to start off with, though, is I was zoomed in and observed yesterday the attempt by the liar for one hapless Kelvin Bolton, who is the first of 10 uh, to be picked up and brought to the jug, the Alaska County jug, for a felony accusation, a warrant for voting uh, illegally. And you know the story, we've been covering the story, it has all sorts of wrinkles and cul-de-sacs and mysterious turns and some probably some evasiveness. But the hapless soul who has not been able to evade is the first to be picked up, who was picked up at the St. Francis House, which is a place for the homeless and the hungry, as Rodney Long calls it. Kelvin Bolton appeared, I watched on Zoom, as the liar tried to get his bond reduced. His bond is at $30,000. And um, very, very astutely, of course, the judge, Kreider, said, no way, Jose, because this guy has failed to show up before, has a rap sheet. It goes back to the 80s, if I remember correctly. And we're just gonna let him sit in the jug until we go to trial. So. That's where it's headed right now. The interesting thing is if it goes to trial, any of these goes to trial, uh, we'll have to depose, of course, you would think, Kim Martin and T.J. Pichet, but T.J. Pichet 
has already taken the Fifth Amendment. So that I always thought from watching, of course, where does my opinion come from? From watching, of course, where yours come from. The crime movies that Holly Weird puts out, I've always assumed that a Fifth Amendment was a Jimmy Hoffa admission of guilt, but I won't tell and I won't squeal. And so anyway, there you are, you let you draw your conclusions about why one T.J. Pichet would, of course, go nine days after he was told not to, to the jail to sign up all these people, uh, which uh, really there's more than this, it just scratches the surface. So you know that story, but I was there present in the courtroom, if you will, by Zoom, however, but it is technically the courtroom. And I watched as the judge denied one Kelvin Bolton a reduction in bond. So he is still in the Alachua County Jail. Follow up on Rodney Long is most interesting because anytime one hears the name Rodney Long around here, it seems people become highly suspicious of the motivations and the uh, behavior, although he um, remains uh, elusive and difficult to pin down. He's been tried for dope, for dope smuggling. Um, he's been, you know, one step ahead of the law, if you will, all of his I even went back and checked with you, uh, the people who knew him in high school. I even checked and asked what he was like when he was at the swimming pool in East uh, to McPherson Center, what his behavior was like there. And it's quite a pattern. It doesn't change. So uh, the interesting thing about what we reported yesterday that Rodney Long had changed districts is that the district has actually changed. Now District 9 takes into a little bit of South Alachua County, Southern Alachua County, and then of course, Levy and Marion, where nobody knows Rodney Long. So I don't, we can't figure out what the deal is gonna end up being, but he has changed his residence and his residence has a pass to it. We're not gonna get into it right now. We're gonna save that, but where he claims to be residing now, there's a relationship there that goes back many, many years and gets quite entangled, even perhaps with tentacles out to our own Tony Jones. So the, uh, cell, the story goes on, seems to be un, unending, but we're keeping an eye on it. We'll have a Rodney Long follow-up, and uh, we'll let you know that is for the senatorial race in District 9 for the state of Florida, which um, will put him against, still, I think, still put him against Keith Perry. So... Good luck. Hello. In the city of Alachua elections, I'll begin with that one, although the information I have is incomplete because I don't know the percentage of the turnout, but I suspect it's not much more than 10 or 11 percent. Uh, although I'll remain, uh, I'll stand corrected the moment the actual numbers come my way or I'm able to get them later today. But um, one Ed Potts won over a, a Reverend Pelham. Um, who is, of course, um, representing, if you will, if you want to view things this way, if you want to color code these people, Pelham is a black minister and, and Potts is a white uh, uh, finance guy in the finance business. So uh, there you are. Uh, the, the, uh, the seat was vacated by Robert Wolford, who just checked on here. I don't know if Robert knows the, uh, the turnout, according to uh, the manager now of POTS thinks was about 15%. He 
he doesn't have the numbers in front of him. If 15% is the turnout, it's a little better than Newberry. Newberry's turnout was 11%. So I want to, that's one of the places I want to focus right now because we have been steadfastly looking at votes that have been cast, as you know, and trying to determine whether there's any auditing of them or accountability of them because once they're cast, they don't get uncast. So these people who voted out of the jug here, their votes counted. And if they voted in local elections, and I don't know if we have a way of knowing that, I, I suppose we could dig, but you know, we're not, we're not uh, Fox News, we're not uh, we don't have a big staff or anything like that, but I suppose one could dig. And that, if that were the case, you go signing up people like uh, TJP Shea did, and you can uh, sign up people who are registered to vote, and some of them may live in these cities and therefore have ability to actually change the election. Because in the city of Alachua, uh, the seat two seat, um, there's 90 votes difference. This 90 votes difference between Pelham and Potts. And 53% uh, of those uh, 1,340 total voters, we do know the total number of voters, we don't know what percentage that is of the total uh, people who could have voted if they've gotten off their derriere. And this is what makes you nervous as a candidate. Uh, you, better, you better be wary if when you enter the political circle, especially in these small municipal governments. And these things really make a difference in the growth management amendment that came down this way, was lost and had to be recounted, as I recall right. Uh, we're going to have a big vote coming up here soon, single member districts. It's going to be all hands on deck. Believe me, you cannot take any of these things for granted. There is always that opposition that really doesn't care too much about issues. It just cares about herd mentality. The Democrat Party interfered, if you will. Uh, the DNC interfered constantly in the city of Alachua election, which is supposedly Get this now, supposedly nonpartisan. There is really, I've concluded, no such thing as a nonpartisan race. There is no such thing because the party will turn it into a party race. In this case, the Democrat Party turned it into a party race. And indeed, if you take a look, Potts would be a Republican, Pelham would be a Democrat. Uh, and that's not mentioned in the registration process or the pounding on the doors. But it's mentioned by the outsiders, the interlopers in municipal government. City of Alachua has had this interference constantly from the no growth people in the county. The county, if it could, would just eradicate the municipal governments in each of the towns around the county. They don't like them. They don't like home rule. They want to dominate. They want five people to dominate everybody's business in Alachua County. Believe me, that's what they want. Trust me on that. Take it to the bank. That's what they want. They don't want any meddlesome trouble from the uh, business and people out in Hawthorne. They made that statement very clearly. I talked to a person yesterday who lives in Hawthorne, and we were talking about traffic. And he says, well, I guess I'll never see any traffic out here because there's never going to be any development. And then he asked me why. And I says, why? You can, you can thank Cornell, the communist 
Karl Marx, Hutch Hutchison, and Byerly for stopping it. They stopped Plum Creek, or you would have been balancing all this business about how unfair life is for the minority. The minorities are all on the east side of the city. Imagine what would have happened economically to the east side of the city of Gainesville if there had been development on the east side of the county. So you have to watch these politics. You know, they have got a, 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 an idea in their head, and they're not people per, uh, people. They are idea people. And Cornell, trust me, believe me when I say this, Cornell, who incidentally lives at Santa Fe, out in out Lake Melrose, out in the Melrose area. Cornell, Karl Marx, Hutch Hutchison, the communist county commissioner, and Byerly, the green, no-growth tree nut, killed all of that on the east side of the county. And now eastern Gainesville is going to die on the vine. There's not going to be anything go on the east side of the county, period. And if you like quiet tree winds, uh, whistling leaves and all that business, go to the east side of the county. You'll, you'll be over there languishing in inertia. There'll be nothing going on. There's only one thing that connects the east side of Gainesville with Hawthorne, and that's the bicycle trail. Other than that, forget it. There's not going to be any economic development on the east side. I don't care how many minorities you elect to the Gainesville City Commission. You're never going to have more than one minority on the county commission. And that seat's going to be warmed constantly by one Chuck Chestnut. If you had single member districts, you would at least make that a permanent feature. You would always have with single member districts at least one minority on the Lodgeville County Commission. So, but that Lodgeville County Commission minority is not going to have any voice when he's stacked up against, and I can tell you this right now, I know my black friends very, very well. They can't stand these no growth white liberals, but they get played by them all the time. They get used by them all the time, but they can't stand them because they know they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. They pretend, oh, we care so much about the downtrodden, and yet they keep the downtrodden downtrodden. So you go figure. Now, in the city of Alachua elections, you had a 90-vote difference, 1,340 total. 53% of those votes went to Potts, 715 votes, and 625 votes to Pelham. Now, that's, I'm telling you, that's, 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 that's a margin that can be influenced by shaky voter registration. And I'm going to talk about that for a while, this part of the show, voter registration, which is what we are convinced needs to be done. You need to clean up the voter rolls, all right? Well, Barton washes her hands of that. Uh, she says, oh, it's not my job. When people come here, they're supposed to know whether they're eligible. I just take their word for it and sign them up, and of course they go vote. Well, you think that Kelvin Bolton knows whether he's eligible or not if, he's told, if, he, if a clipboard is thrust under his nose by T.J. Pichet? I would love to know the actual verbiage that took place between Kelvin Bolton and T.J. Pichet. I mean, the actual sentences that were spoken 
when the clipboard was handed to Kelvin Bolton or any of the rest of the guys. All we have, which the old pundit Dan Smith says, or acts as if we're fact, is the testimony of hearsay. The testimony about what was actually said by T.J. Pichet to these happily reg hapless registrants is all hearsay. Hearsay, okay? Period. Nobody has a recording of it that I know of, and it's a he said, she said. So what does old Kramer do? He said, oh, well, I'll just take that hearsay as fact, and I won't. I'll close the investigation into Pichet, anybody that worked at the supervisor elections office. So he closes it as far as I'm concerned until somebody can help me see it differently. He closes it on hearsay. Why would you do that? Why would, that's the, one of the big questions. I was talking with one of the <clears throat> powers that be in the community yesterday who wanted to know why. Why would he do that? Why would he close this investigation? You see, there's two things going on here that are rather strange. You close an investigation to the supervisor election office, but you send an okay and sign off on the SWAT team. And we know that the matrix was tinkered with, from what we can tell anyway. But you send a SWAT team to a real estate office on, a, on really what is a civil matter. So... And this all comes out of the state attorney's office. So here we go. And now we have the Democrat Party of Alachua County meddling in the city of Alachua elections. And you can say, well, they're entitled to their say too. I'm just saying that you can forget nonpartisan elections because if the Democrat Party doesn't make it a, non, a, a, a party election, the Gainesville sunset will, okay? The Gainesville sunset will. And you, 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 you understand that, do you not? And the small town papers are always two steps behind if they even exist. Alachua County today, with whom I've always enjoyed a good relationship, I know the family well, is still a small town paper that only exists because governments have to have public notices. And these papers are the place that uh, published the, the public notices, and that kind of keeps their head above water. There's a paper down in, in the, in the, over in the High Springs area that just bellied up that couldn't make it. I think it was called the Observer. Uh, these things struggle. So the question becomes, where do you get information? That's why Ward Scott Files, I continue to come here because I think maybe you can get a drink of water here. You can hear some things. And maybe you won't hear them anywhere else. Or if you do, that'd be way after the fact and it'd be grossly distorted by partisan interference. I don't really have a partisan position until I examine the situation. And on some things, I agree with the liberals and some things I don't. I'm a big supporter of the arts. I'm a big, I'm a professor. I'm a big supporter and keep giving people opportunities to improve themselves without me changing their grades. OK, without me tinkering with their scores, I teach them how to make the grade. I don't close my eyes and inflate the grade for them or lower the standards for them, which is what's going on grossly all over the nation in education. 
And I don't pepper the curriculum with irrelevant situations. Hey, if you want to take a look at whether uh, two gay fellows can adopt a child and raise that child successfully, that's a perfectly good research paper. I had it done in class. I told you about it. And I grade the research critical thinking procedures. <clears throat> I, don't, so I don't have a, an opinion about the subject until the research done by the student brings me to a reasonable conclusion. So really in my courses, there was no censorship. You could write about anything you wanted to write about provided you could stand up to our scrutiny. And the only way you could stand up to our scrutiny was to bring yourself up to our standards. What's our standards? The very fast, best, brightest students in the room and the teacher that are trying to aspire to do those standards well. We'll help you get to those standards if you don't have them. I've sat in many a class where not only could I not, when I was a student, with great professors that were way over my head, but I knew sooner or later I wanted to get to where they were. I've sat in many of those classes, not only unable to answer their questions, but unable to anticipate the questions. And I just sat there dumbly. I didn't even begin to understand what they were driving at, but I stuck with it and I stuck with it. And after a while, I say to myself, why in the world did I not see that before? And I remember talking to one of my great professors one time when I finally realized what he'd been trying to teach me, I said, why didn't you teach me that earlier? And he says, I have been, you just haven't been hearing me. Which then I realized learning takes place when you're ready to learn. You have to develop certain skills to learn. In tennis, you teach the forehand first because you're not turning your shoulders, you're not turning your back to your opponent. You teach the backhand after that. And you wouldn't begin to teach the backhand first because that's a more difficult skill than the forehand. And then once you master those two, you compete against somebody who has mastered just at that level and you aspire to win that. And you hone, therefore, what you've been taught. And eventually you have all the shots. You have the lob, you have the drop shot, you have the slice return, you have, you have, uh, two, you have the kick serve and you have the first serve. Uh, you know, it's just all, but you, ha you can't do it in one day. So you have to be, is a process. So here we are trying to help you understand how the uh, election process works. And it's always interfered with, if you're not careful with people who have no, they don't even live in the city of Alachua. They, 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 they wouldn't know, uh, you know, a single thing about it, but they meddle in the city of Alachua. I'm just using Alachua as an example. Now in Newberry, there were 11% of the people who could vote, did vote. And this is a, this is a little, now this is a little closer. Uh, this is really kind of interesting. 258 people voted for the winner, which is 43% of the total votes cast for Monty Farnsworth and 255 people uh, voted uh, for Mark Allen, uh, 91 voted for Boyer. So <clears throat> you've got a difference here. Of, let me make sure you understand what I have got here as numbers. Three votes 
three votes. Now I'll go back to the voter registration process. Hopefully everyone who voted in Newberry is an authentic, uh, authenticated registered voter. <clears throat> I assure you that Kim Barton doesn't know. I doubt the clerk of the court knows in the respective municipal government. Now, this is an honor. This, this voting stuff is an honor system. And let me tell you about the honor system. Unless there are punishments, real, severe, heavy duty punishments, you don't have an honor system. When I went to military school, we were on the honor system. Thou shall not steal, lie, any of that, that was, that was our basic, that, that was our basic honor system. You don't steal and you don't lie. If you did, you were heaved out of the cadet corps. I remember we had a young guy come in one day uh, from, uh, well, I'll disguise some of these plays, came in from a particular state to our school because he had burnt his school down, okay? He had burnt his school down. Of course, we immediately nicknamed him the Torch. When the Torch came to our cadet corps, he was fine as long as he adhered to the honor system. But the lad stole a pocket knife from his roommate. You don't do that. We don't lock anything up. You don't steal from you don't, you don't steal from us. We don't steal from you. He was dismissed summarily from the school, from the battle group. You are not one of us. You'll never be one of us. You can't even be allowed to a second chance among us. We don't even care that you burnt your school down. That was, we, we turned our head the other way when you came. If you had come here and not violated the honor code, you could have stayed and gotten a, another chance. But no, you had to steal your roommate's pocket knife. Now, when I came to the University of Florida in 1961, it was on an honor system. And where I first noticed there was no honor system was it had a box where you could put a nickel, it was a nickel, in a box, and then you could get an apple. It was an honor system. The, the thing wasn't locked up. You didn't have a ka-chunk change and gate open when you put the nickel in. You just put the nickel in, and on your honor, you reached into the box, got yourself an apple. So I thought, well... There are no apples, but surely that box is full of nickels. Well, no apples and no nickels. They just stole the apples, but there are no consequences to it. So guess what? After a while, the whole concept of nickels and apples disappeared from the University of Florida campus. They might as well torn up. The honor system code, too, because it didn't matter. That an honor court, that a student court, it wasn't any good. It didn't have anything to it, no teeth, no substance. We got the same thing in voting. We're just taking your word for it. We don't have a clue. You might not even have a clue. Because they may not ask you to have a clue when you 
present whatever identification you present. This is where we are. Therefore, since there's no teeth in the honor system, which essentially voter registration is on, then there's no honor system. And therefore, there's all kinds of opportunities to take the apples. And therefore, enjoy the fruit without paying the consequences, without being eligible to enjoy the fruit. So you take a you take a town like Newberg. Three votes separate the winner and the second place person. I don't know whether those three votes are valid. I, I don't know. They don't know. Go, hello. Well, who does know? The shadow. Who the shadow knows? Cannot be serious. You cannot be serious. That's where we are. That's where we are. We're going to take a little break. And when I get back, I'm going to report on some findings about an organization called True the Vote has come to. And you'll see that they've come to basically, I believe, essentially the same conclusion I've come to. Now, I've come to this conclusion after a long series of investigations that there is no honor in the voter registration system. And nobody's going to be held accountable for it. Witness the behavior of the state attorney who doesn't seem to care, who is covering himself with legalese. Who does care? So the state attorney finally has been pushed to say, well, if you ask me if you can register, I'll tell you. Well, that's wrong. It's backwards. In other words, he's going to stand by the apple box, right? And he's going to sit there and watch. And when I come up and get an apple on the box, he's going to ask me. He's, going, he's, he's not going to ask me if I put a nickel in. This is the way this works. He's not going to ask me, or did you put a nickel in the box before you took the apple? No. What he's going to do is I'm going to take the apple. I'm not going to put a nickel in. And the guy at the end of the day is going to say, what the hell? I paid for all these apples and I'm supposed to have a nickel for each one of them. Now I'm out the money I paid to front the apples. And I don't have the nickels. Is he supposed to go to the state attorney and say, well, wasn't, was that guy eligible to take the apple without paying? No, because the guy who took the apple without paying is already gone, already ate the apple. What I just said is brilliant. You understand this? You won't hear this anywhere else in America. To boil it down like this for you, to help you understand what we're dealing with here. Who took the apple without paying? Well, go ask the guy who took the apple why he didn't pay. Well, I can't find him. And he's already ate the apple. I can't prove he, I can't even prove he had the apple. It's only moved through his digestive system. But that's what Kramer wants you to do. Kramer wants you to self-report. Are you kidding me? We'll be back in a moment at Ward Scott Files. Stay tuned. It's going to get better. Be right back. This is Ward Scott. 
And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, R&R Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. A warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here. I'd like to give a shout out to our good, great sponsor, Crime Prevention, John Pastore and Randy Elrath. Worry less with crime prevention security systems by preventing package theft with the doorbell camera that they have. Contact them today about that doorbell camera. I understand we'll cover theft here in a little bit. It's on a rampage here in our country. And uh, we'll get into that part of the story in a second in today's agenda, if you will. The uh, conversation right now has been focused as it should be on election integrity. And I haven't had to say the beep word just yet, but I may have to say it and what I got coming up because I'm gonna cover some things that have been found uh, by an organization called uh, True the Vote. And it's um, something I ran across in my research about the subject that I'm sharing with my students, which you all can, of course, uh, validate or uh, use in your own way and, and perhaps learn something from. Uh, True to Vote is an organization that um, tries to uncover the truth about DC. Yeah, good luck. I can have sympathize with them uh, right away because that's not going to be an easy deal. As you can see, uncovering the truth about our local bunch here is not easy to do. And so I can imagine, you can imagine what it's like trying to uncover the truth about um, uh, the um, DC world. Uh, Catherine, evidently Catherine Engelbrecht is the founder of this and has, uh, has committed herself and her organization to taking a look at all this ballot integrity that we're talking about here. And... Um, True the Vote estimates that 7% of the votes in the 2020 general election were trafficked. I don't think that that word will hopefully kick a response from the little algorithm nutcases that run Facebook and YouTube. But uh, due to the, she, she writes uh, that due to the exorbitant costs and time 
constraints, the process of finding this out is very tedious. And I'm here to testify to you of that is actually the case. This is a very tedious situation that we go through. And I want to take my hat off. There's not enough things that can be said in praise of the data investigator, Mark Laser's ability to just hang tough, to take disappointment and slam door after slam door and keep coming back to be charged $500 to get information. It's public information, all the various techniques that these people have uh, to hide behind language that really clearly is to obfuscate, not to clear up. But so there's an exorbitant cost, you can imagine, in going after this on a DC level. It's tedious. Uh, you have to monitor outdoor drop boxes, mailboxes, other locations in these national situations. And buddy, that is, that is a tough call. So uh, we we have to we're often, as I say, let's just cut to the chase. We're on the honor system. And if these people have no honor, and I saw my good buddy, uh, Ken Hillier here from Atlanta, Georgia, who went to military school as I did, uh, state that uh, the honor system was the best thing that ever happened to him at military school. At military school, buddy, an honor system is an honor system. Now, I can't speak for West Point now. I've, hear, I've heard that standards have dropped off. But when I went to military school, it was a Spartan school. All males, okay? All males. And believe me, a lot of those males were there because if they didn't go to military school, they were going to jail because they were in trouble where they'd come from. As I say, the one kid who came in, burned his school down. Uh, there were some tough dudes that I was in military school with. Now, some of them were tough in a structured way. One of my good buddies was a middleweight Alabama Golden Gloves boxing champion. Uh, he was a good friend of mine. Another uh, good friend was a guy who went on to play for Paul Bear Bryant at the University of Alabama and then went on to become a trustee of the school later life. There were some, but they're all tough guys. There were some guys there who were really thugs. And, you know, that got straightened out right away. Uh, we took care of that internally. Uh, you couldn't behave like that and be a part of us. So there was a lot of discipline that came down from the fact that we were entrusted with our own veracity. And our, we were, we were some, but, but the punishment for violating it or taking advantage was, was swift. Believe me, it was swift. You did not get a second chance, okay? So we don't have that situation in uh, this uh, world we're living in now, which is, I think, one of the most important things we do is, is politically express ourselves to guide, to put in place the people who lead our nation and our municipal governments. Um, the, uh, there's, uh, there's things that these national organizations can use that we don't use, can't use geolocation technology. Uh, Pennsylvania, uh, just a few tidbits to go through here, is the worst state, according to Echelbrecht, uh, mules coming across the bridge in New Jersey to deliver ballots, uh, which is a RICO crime. 1,155 people uh, meet the criteria of 10 or more drop boxes and five or more organizations. Philadelphia showed up with 23 ballots on average per mule coming across from New Jersey. In some operations, the mules were required to photographs they deposited, uh, prove, presumably to prove the number they delivered. Many mules wore gloves while handling the ballots. Uh, there were 501c3 foundations funding the activity. Uh, that's a criminal offense. They were off-duty law enforcement officers um, paid for by the Republican Party, hired to monitor the election, and they reported all this to the National Republican Senatorial Committee, and none of it came out. Well, I don't know if I'm going to get beeped yet or not, but it's certainly 
is this narrative that you don't get to hear out in the public. So if we drop off the horizon here because of the little millennials sitting with the ear to the algorithms, you'll know why. Down in Georgia, uh, uh, there were 75,000 uh, votes uh, contributed there um, from ineligible voter records, okay? Once again, I keep coming back to voter records, voter records. The uh, general election, 45,000 votes in the January runoff. Uh, the voter rolls were not clean. This is where I think one can go and put a hands on something of substance and be, I would think the Democrats would want the voter rolls clean. I would think the Republicans would want the voter rolls clean. I would think the state attorney would want the voter rolls clean. I would think the superintendent of school, all but you know, civic organizations, universities. But what happens is they come out with this stuff, it's voter suppression if you check the voter rolls. That is absolutely a cover-up. It has nothing to do with what we're dealing with here. Unless you just think everybody who can make a breath on American vote. And I've said that a long time ago. You either and you know, you either you either totally open it up to illegal immigrants coming across the border that you don't have any idea where they got their ID. I, I, you know, I've had people testify to me on this show that if they wanted to be a citizen, they could go to Miami and pay $300 and be a citizen. Or they could go through the citizenship process the right way. Who's going to know when you go to register? Who in the hell is going to ask you whether you went to Miami and paid 300 bucks or whether you... Do, you know, I mean, is it, you know, your imagination fails you when you think of all the different stories you could hear. Um, in the Warner Lawfare election, there's supposedly three or four thousand vote differential. I just said there was three votes differential in Newberry, um, not about ninety difference in Alachua. So there, there are a, a, a lot of things here that it takes a lot of energy and money and commitment and organization to uncover. And I, I don't know whether it's going to be satisfactory, particularly when you got these algorithm sitting there on top of your head, not letting you talk about it. So really this, the bottom line is to engage Americans and help them understand the process. Otherwise they don't know what's going on. The, the process that True to Vote says has been allowed to erode and create therefore all kinds of inconsistencies and inaccuracies. And um, that they, they don't have, this, this country does not have, according to the latest things I can understand a standard form of voter ID identification. This country does not have a standard voter identification. Now, the number one conclusion that I can see the true the vote is coming up to is the same one I've come to, at least at this stage of the whole process. We, the people, must demand clean voter rolls. And it's not going to be on a voluntary basis like Kramer's figured it out. Kramer wants you to tell him if you stole the apple. No, that's not the way it should work. Well, why is he doing that? I guess he's secretly a liberal. I don't know what he's doing. I, don't, I can't figure out why he'd do that. If you really want to hold up the integrity of this nation, you hold up the integrity of the voting process. So True the Vote also concludes that voters need to challenge their county records. Well, you know, it's as if they were watching the Ward Scott files, is it not? 
You need to challenge your county records. All we get is this euphemistic comment out of Barton. Oh, I promise to, oh, I promise. I promise to work with the state attorney. The state attorney promises to work with the people. That ain't cutting it. There needs to be, well, we have technology. We have apps we could develop. True to Vote uh, come, has suggested one called IV3, um, where voters can help clean up the rolls from their kitchen table. I don't know how it works. It's, um, you know, but it's um, lawsuits are not going to get it done. I agree with uh, th th these uh, th these people, True the Vote. Lawsuits are not going to get it done. The liars know how to string this stuff out. The liars yesterday were trying to get Kelvin Bolton's bond reduced. Ridiculous. Neither here nor there. Poor Kelvin. I felt sorry for Kelvin Bolton. Where's the NAACP when you need them? I mean, where are they when you need them? Kelvin Bolton down there in the jug and T.J. Pichet's out wandering around somewhere on the streets. The Zuckerberg money. Man, has that ever been a real ugly part of this whole thing and we know that we've covered that story it has so much been involved with um, what's happened in the uh, in this whole last 2020 thing so here are the summary here here is what we need to do and I'm, I'm going to put them out here for you now uh, this is true the vote has come up with this I'm going to say I, I I agree with it until somebody tells me I probably you know missed one or should have deleted one or add one Number one conclusion that true to vote comes to that I come to with them is the voter rolls must be clean. They must be clean. Well, here is a guy going into jail trying to make them dirty or at least turning his head. And say, it's not my responsibility to know whether you're dirty or not. You tell me you're on your honor. But what is he getting paid for then? What looks like he's getting paid for is to make the voter rolls dirty, not clean. God, I'd love to be a liar in a courtroom and argue this case. You don't think I couldn't make the jury stop and listen? You better believe it. Did you, Mr. Pichet, go in there to make the rolls dirty or clean? Or did you care? Drop boxes and mass mail-in applications uh, for ballots must stop. Drop boxes are like the proverbial box of apples that had no apples and had no nickels. That's the same type of auditing inaccuracy where the apples goes on with the drop boxes. The other thing, and I think this is going to happen, at least as to the to the extent that it's traceable, and it can e guys who know how to do this can make it very difficult to trace. Private funding for elections should be illegal. Zuckerberg should never. And I, I read just yesterday he claims, "Oh, I'll never do it again." Well, you can't undo what he did. And finally, illegal activity should be prosecuted. We've got a little bit of that going on, but I'm going to say that we don't have it right. The illegal activity right now is focused on the hapless Kelvin Bolton. It is not focused on, and it's been deliberately, I think, 
or at least it's at this point been permanently shut down on T.J. Pichet and Supervisor Relations Office, even though we have the emails that say don't do it. Now, I want to share that with you because it's ironic. I mean, here independently of each other. Now, would this therefore be fact? Let me, let me ask this quiz question, students. What's the definition of a fact? That which two disinterested parties can testify independently of each other without knowing what the other said as so. I think, until you correct me, we can call this a fact, what I just reported to you, because that organization, much bigger, much more comprehensive, much better found, funded, has reached the very same conclusions our little group has reached. So therefore, are those things therefore fact? I think they're fact. I think the number one fact is the voter rolls are not clean. What are you going to do about it? Who's going to take care of it? I called today's show True the Beep because I was afraid to say true vote. Oh, I have all over the place because I have not used the F word. But you can conclude that if True the Beep has found these things to be questionable, then there also could be a lot of beep out there that nobody is going to be able to put his finger on. You'll ne I never knew. I never sat around and watched behind from behind a tree who came and took an apple without paying for it. I mean, I could care less. And in a way, that's, that, that, that's a lot of what we have with the vote. Oh, I don't care if the guy voted and didn't need to. I don't care. I didn't vote. When obviously, if you have 11% turnout in Newberry, you've got what? 89% or so of eligible. Didn't even bother to go down there. And Newberry is one of the better structured municipal governments, I think, in our county. And about 80% of them sat on their derriere. Almost 90% of them sat on their, 89% of them sat on their derriere. What the, what the hell were they doing? What were they doing? You know, here we have an interesting phenomenon in the city of Alachua. We have a place called Turkey Creek, where demographics are people of a substantial affluence, golf course. What does that tell you? I would bet predominantly white. I would, I would bet at least middle, probably upper middle class neighborhood as a precinct. And people have complained that that precinct therefore siphons off all those voters in that area. And I got to tell you that the saying is, if you carry, if you carry Turkey Creek, you'll, you'll win the election. Now, this is something that Obama is trying to fracture. This is one of the reasons Obama would like to put affordable housing in the middle of Turkey, of a Turkey Creek. You follow what we're getting at here? He would like to put all over America, as the coaches say, that's a, that boy right there is the best running back in America. I've heard that so many times. He's going to take somebody to a bowl. So if he could get this done, Obama and his, his kind, all over America, and you know he tried to put affordable housing in Westchester, New York, which is one of the most affluent 
communities in the country. Gross Point, Michigan used to be, when the automobile industry was going great guns, uh, you couldn't live there unless you could afford to live. It wasn't segregated by race. It was segregated by money. But on the other hand, you've got black communities. I was thinking about this this morning. Am I right or wrong? I think the black community in the city of Washington has more people in it than Turkey Creek. So you can't go that way. You can go organize a black community. And in a sense, that would be an argument for keeping a black community intact. If you kept it intact, you'd have a voting block. If you distributed it through Section 8 or whatever mechanisms you want to use, you fracture the voting block. These are some of the things that a fertile mind like mine, while it's still functioning, ponders. I don't know the answers, but I ponder them. I just ponder them. You know, the mugshots is such an important part of our show. We have 45,000 people a month who look at those mugshots. And they're brought to us by the law office of Maurice T. McDaniel, a country attorney in High Springs. Great guy. And, you know, we've got all sorts of things going on in the country that seem to be outside anything that votes would affect. This is, I'm going to kind of conclude with this because it interests me. Do you know, and this has to do with the economy, inflation, now called Biden inflation, Biden, Biden-ation, whatever. Do you know that America is in a shoplifting epidemic? And I reminded us, I went up to get some razor blades the other day at one of the local pharmacies, I mean, you know, drugstores here, whatever you call them now. I won't mention which one. I don't want to give them a free plug. I couldn't get to the darn thing. It cost about almost 20 bucks for them, by the way. I couldn't get to them. They were locked up and slammed shut and encased in a plastic. You had to have a special device to take them out of once you got them out of where they was. Why is this? Walk into a big city pharmacy, especially, I'm talking about a small rural pharmacy. Walk into, this is a Wall Street Journal article that caught my eye a few days ago. Walk into a big city pharmacy and you notice everything's locked in a plastic case. Shaving cream, shampoo bottles. It's a shoplifting epidemic. Business Org surveyed some 700 small businesses and found that 54% had an increase in shopping shoplifting last year. 23% said shoplifting happening daily. The National Retail Federation surveyed 61 medium to large retailers and found that organized retail crime cost an average of more than $700,000 per $1 billion in sales in 2020. The CVS drugstore chain, and I'll go ahead and squeal, that's where I went and got the razor blades. They've had a 300% increase in retail theft since the pandemic began. Yeah, there you go. I mean, come on. This is, and meanwhile, nobody votes and nobody, I can see why, you know, is it a crime not to check the voter rolls? Are we just in a? Are we just living in a nation where, ho hum, ho hum, dishonesty? I think this is where we are. Dishonesty is the way of life. You do something until you get caught. 
I really think I'm just going to venture this out there. That supervisor elections in PCA and I've never thought they'd get called. How do they must have been fallen out of their seats when they were caught? Caught doing what? Oh, not checking the rolls or not asking or not. Who would ever have thought? Who would ever, ever, ever have thought? I mean, Barton been an outreach person for 10 years. She knew what was going on. We ain't going back. We ain't going back 10 years. I don't even want, man. And in fact, we're in the political assault on cops and the defund the police and all that stuff. Have we got a country that just doesn't care about accountability? Just doesn't really give two hoots until you get caught about whether or not you, what you did was, I mean, I, that's what I wonder about. We've got a president who just says whatever is convenient to be said at the time it's, it's said. He gets away scot-free. Uh, scot we had a previous president who got held accountable for everything he said, got impeached twice. For what? For what? I've never quite been able to understand that. Let me check my, we're going to have the phone line hooked up Friday. We have the phone line hooked up. Just looking at some of the comments. Don't see anything I need to respond to here, but Friday we'll have the phone line open. Uh, we'll have a guest coming up for you next week too. Uh, working on keeping you involved and keeping you educated. Um, that's my story for today, and I'm sticking to it. Warthog Command Center out.